Hi, welcome back to One Take Wonder with the Hot Weird Girl. I'm the hot weird girl in question, Alexia, and yesterday, June 5th, was my 26th birthday. So a very merry birthday to me and a very merry unbirthday to you, unless today is your birthday, in which case, happy birthday. If you feel like connecting with me on any social media platform, I'm on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, all under the handle Hot Weird Girl, that's girl with the zero. Um, feel free to DM me. I love talking to you guys. I'm always like, it's such a, I just get so pleased at the fact that this podcast gets listened to and engagement. And it really means so much when you reach out. So if you have something to say, if you want to talk to me about something, if you want to shoot me a podcast idea, that would be so deeply appreciated. Um, so without further ado, let's get into it. And today I have two topics. One is just like a quick five-minute little rant because it's my birthday. And the other is a more serious pondering about how hyper-masculinization of men is ruining all of our dating lives. Because men are people, and I don't mean that in a funny way, but we'll get into that. But first, my deepest held belief is that nobody is afraid of spiders. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, no, I've actually always been afraid of spiders. You are not afraid of spiders. You are afraid of the social rejection that comes with admitting that you're not afraid of spiders. Okay, the anti-spider propaganda runs deep. Perhaps one of the most sinister forces against us today is this idea that spiders are to be feared. Okay, because from a very young age in our children's book, who are we taught is the enemy? Spiders. And then, you know, you're in like your third grade classroom and there's a spider and everyone reacts by screaming, even the boys who are still taught to be hyper-masculine. I'm just tying it back into this, you know, second theme, the main theme of the podcast. But everyone goes fucking nuts over spiders. What the fuck did a spider ever do to you? Y'all didn't read Charlotte's Web? Spiders were saving Wilbur. Spiders eat the mosquitoes. Spiders leave our ecosystem intact. And what are we doing? Killing them? There's a beautiful poem. We kill bugs for the crime of being small. Y'all are just killing spiders because they're ugly. And you don't even believe they're ugly. You just know deep down in your heart of hearts that if you admit that you are not genuinely afraid of spiders, that people will think you're weird. And somehow killing a spider is, is the price to pay for that? Murder. I just wanted to get that off my chest. It's actually my most frequently talked about topic on TikTok, but the videos never get any traction. Maybe you don't like this message. Maybe I'm being suppressed by the anti-spider agenda. But if there's one thing that I'm going to give to myself on my birthday, the people must know the truth. And that is the fact that nobody is afraid of spiders. Everyone is just afraid of not fitting in. Now let's get into the man meteor topic of this podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I saw just a really nonsensical TikTok, but it really got me thinking. And essentially this girl is saying that an ex-boyfriend cautioned her never to fuck around with guys that eat a lot of candy because men that eat a lot of candy 
don't have self-control, they're childish, and they're immature. And then she goes on to say that in her experience, that's always been true. And it makes me think about the fact that as women, we expect men to fall into these hyper-masculine boundaries. So I really want to break down the problem with this TikTok. First, I think we should acknowledge that eating candy has always been seen as something for children. It's a childish pursuit, which is fine when you know your age is zero through maybe 13, and maybe it's sort of cute on a teenager, but we kind of expect, I mean, we look at adults who eat candy a certain way, and that also ties into, you know, fat phobia and diet culture, which maybe I could talk about on the next podcast, but what I'm trying to establish is that we have a derogatory view of people who tend to overindulge in sweets not just because it's an overindulgence in food, which is also seen as bad, but sweets in particular, it jeopardizes your ability to be seen as a mature, rational individual. And this is especially egregious when you consider the hyper-masculine ideal we hold men to, the divine masculine as those molasses-brained bitches of the feminine universe would put it, are supposed to be stoic, disciplined, controlled, little to no emotions. And that's not the part that gets said explicitly, the little to no emotions, but it is expected that a man doesn't have a lot of emotions. And if he does, it's really just supposed to be one specific form of happiness. Um, You know, you can only cry when it's at your wedding, at the birth of your child or at a funeral, and that's it. And anger And so putting men in these narrow parameters is also a harmful consequence of patriarchy because even though men benefit from a system designed to put them on top, the box that they're put under is still really incredibly harmful for them. You know, like toxic masculinity, like this idea that you should always be a man, hold it together men can't express sadness, but I would also offer that men can't really express unbridled joy, like eating candy. I was shocked when I read those comments and I'm looking through the comments of the TikTok now and people are saying things like, yeah, you know, it's honestly just, it's childish. Oh, I don't want to be with a man that acts like a little kid, blah, 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 blah. When we seek out these hyper-masculine men, we deny ourselves the opportunity to be with a man who is fully emotionally realized and then wonder why we get in these situations where our emotional needs just aren't being met. And it sucks that we even, or that I even feel the pressure to frame this conversation about men's humanity in a way that benefits us because in a way it also feels like I'm robbing men of their personhood, which feels like it almost shouldn't be possible because I'm the oppressed under the patriarchy, right? But just walk with me here. Men are people. I know that's like a very funny thing to say, but I think not recognizing men's humanity allows us to absolve them of their wrongs if we even recognize those wrongs in the first place and it allows us to deny them joy. And I'll start with the first part that we can ignore or absolve their wrongs. People often talk about the harm that men perpetuate as if men are automatons 
who just kind of do things off of an internal operating system with no thought or regard, but in reality, that's not true. So if we were to use the example of cheating in a relationship, I know from personal experience what I've seen, um, you know, when I was cheated on once, when I've seen when my friends are cheated on, you know, reality, TV, TikTok, all of it, just our culture is that when men cheat, society will tell you, well, that's just what they do. They can't help it. You know, men who are supposed to be the leaders and people who understand the world so much better than us dummy-brained bitches. Okay, I'm really saying that a lot tonight, but it's so fun to say. Anyway, men who understand the world so much better than us suddenly don't have any control when it comes to their dick. And we're taught that that's not an inherent contradiction about their ability to hold power. That's just the way the world works and don't question it too much because who fucking asked you? But that's not true. Men are not sexual automatons. They very much understand how damaging their behavior is and they just don't care, partially because they know there might be no consequence, partially because they don't give a fuck about the consequence, partially because they just feel like doing it and they don't think about a consequence at all. But the point is, is those are all the choices of a person who is being manipulative or disregarding your feelings, but only a human can hurt you so specifically. It's not chat GPT, it's not AI, it's a person hurting another person. And yet, even though it's one of the most human things you can do to fundamentally betray someone like that, we still look at it and see men's behavior as this this just mechanical, automatic fact of life. Or another example, when it comes to keeping the house clean, as I spoke about in my very first episode, women do the majority of domestic labor in America and all over the world, actually. And we see men not helping out around the home as, well, you know, they just don't think about that. Men don't come out of the womb thinking about putting the dishes away or picking up their socks on the floor, but neither do little girls. The difference is, is that they're taught and we teach men that they don't have to care. And then we take those lessons that they've internalized and we treat it as just the automatic state of men as this unchangeable, unmovable fact of life as if it's like their internal operating system. And I keep going back to that metaphor about men as robots or automatons or like a digitized algorithmic being, because I really think that's the best way to describe how we see men in our society. And yet we don't recognize what they're coded by, which is the patriarchy. Like if they were robots, the patriarchy is their programming, but we just sort of chalk it up to their operating software. Are you rolling with me right now? So because we don't see their bad actions as the actions of a human, because we see them as automatic and unchangeable, we think that one, you can't change them. And two, we just accept that that's, hmm, how do I put this? We accept that it's not personal. When a computer messes up, you know that it's not personal against you. It's just the way the computer is. And when we see men having messed up, having made these mistakes, having broken emotional bonds, having taken our domestic labor for granted, having taken our child labor for granted, when they make sexist comments, when they commit sexual atrocities, oh, well, that's just their operating software. It's not personal. 
but it is personal because they're people. So one, I think it would be helpful for all of our benefits to understand that there is a humanity in their poor actions. But going back to the fact that men are people when it comes to joy, so often I think everyday women deprive men of the joy that we so constantly seek in our lives. Like there's a funny little TikTok sound. It's like, "Ah, this is for girls only, which like is funny. But at the same time, like so many of those memes center around the idea that joy, companionship, fun is really limited to girls. I think the best example is how we homophobically react to close male bonds. Men are disenfranchised when it comes to friendship and loneliness. Even though that a man might tell you that he's not lonely, the academic data doesn't lie. The average man isn't experiencing the depth of the bonds that the average woman is experiencing. Although interestingly, this is sort of broken up on the sexuality spectrum. So I think because gay and bisexual men and trans men are already seen as not being truly within the masculine binary. They're allowed to play with and define for themselves what the role or what is masculinity in their own lives. Because when it comes to straight men, we have very narrow definitions of what it's cool for other men to do with other men. And that's strictly enforced by women. In my last episode, I talked about the fact that growing up, I was friends primarily with a lot of guys. And I can tell you the point that I made that their bonds aren't so different from ours and how dramatic and petty they are. I did them a disservice by not highlighting that those friendships were equally as close, that hugs were also important in that friend group, even if they were fleeting and done awkwardly, because physical touch is important to them, platonic physical touch. But if you walked in on two guys like holding hands or cuddling, you'd be like, that's fucking gay. And you'd mean it in the really mean way. Okay. In the way that Hillary Duff hated in that MTV commercial. <clears throat> but if you walked in on two girls cuddling platonically, that would be totally fine. We expect out of men this emotionless, stoic, sad existence because we do not see them as persons under the patriarchy. And there's something to be said about the fact that men put this label on themselves, right? That men defied what it means defined what it means to be a provider or an alpha or all these other like podcasty terms that really have historical basis for what a man has always been seen as. And that's someone who just handles their shit internally, but that's not working. One, the male suicide rate speaks to that. Two, it also affects us in our relationships. And again, this is the part where I'm so uncomfortable because I believe in like this, you know, really making these podcasts one take, you know, say for like cutting out the sounds of me like coughing or sneezing or something or just taking an absurdly long break. Like one time I sat in a podcast for like three minutes of just complete and utter silence. It was a little creepy. So I added that stuff out, but like, I really want this podcast to be sort of 
working through my thoughts out loud with you guys and talking it through. And so, oh no, I hope we're not going back to one of those breaks. No, we're not. So my own discomfort of just talking about men's feelings for men's sake, not in a way to invalidate women's feelings, but to point out that I think the way we treat them is wrong. And this is always the part of Bell Hooks's work that I think gets lost the most, but she really spoke about the fact that if we want love from each other, if we want to be loved fully and completely, it means that men have to let go of their conceptions about us and we too have to let go of our conceptions about men. And this idea that a man can't enjoy a fucking jolly rancher because that speaks to you know, his lack of character and integrity and it almost degrades him as a man is ridiculous because I would be screaming from the rooftops if a man told me that eating, I don't know, it's a very masculine food, like steak, jerky, something like that, that if that made me not feminine, that if that somehow took away from my womanhood. And, you know, that is, men definitely have done that, you know, diet culture and patriarchy, But I guess there is an internal bias there of why I wasn't willing to just confront it from that angle. And instead, when I spoke on, because it's disenfranchising us as women, and I still think that's true. I still think as women, we are very much setting ourselves up for failure when we don't allow our boyfriends or our husbands or our brothers or our cousins or our friends to cry, to express their sadness when we don't give them the emotional space that we demand from them on day one. It deprives us of a meaningful healthy, fulfilling relationship because you're basically in a partnership with someone who's a brick wall. And then years down the road, you'll complain, well, he never shares anything. We would call him gay if he did. Not saying that that's the root cause of all like miscommunication between men and women, but just to serve as one such example of how we're really fucking ourselves by buying into the patriarchy. And I think it can be kind of easy and tempting to only focus on how We need to change the patriarchy for ourselves, but to recognize that it it really is a recognition of how we view all of the genders, right? Because otherwise the consequence is that the roles will adapt for one gender and not the other. And if you want the starkest contrast of that, we can see the roles and expectations of women today. The modern feminist movement in America was completely and solely focused on the definition of feminism, the social and the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. And so it focused on things like family leave, which would include maternity and paternity leave. And slowly throughout time, um, feminists began to lose that definition. Not that the feminist movement shouldn't primarily focus on women and non-binary individuals. But by not considering the ways in which men are disenfranchised, we didn't adapt any of our social standards. So we taught little girls that the home could be a good place for them, but that the workplace was their place too. Meanwhile, nobody thought about making boys domestic, so men still think, just as their grandfathers did, that 
the home is for the woman and only the workforce. That's his only thing. He doesn't have to learn how to be domestic. So now you have a generation of women who are expected to do domestic labor in addition to out-of-home labor and men who think that all they have to do is out-of-home labor because nobody sat down little boys and said, yeah, it's important for you to learn how to cook and clean and care for children and be domestic because we didn't realize that we were disenfranchising men of the bonds that can be forged through fatherhood, of the discipline that it takes to keep a home clean by not putting those expectations on them. And that is a disenfranchisement. Men, grown men that have no life life skills or hygiene abilities, they are disenfranchised. You know, like, did you ever go to college and you saw boys that were just standing clueless in the laundry room and you're like, you don't know how to do this? And they're like, nobody ever taught me. Whoever in your family sent you to college without telling you that you should learn um, basic life skills kind of fucked you. To bring in a pop culture example, Tyler James Williams from Everybody Hates Chris and more recently um, from Abbott Elementary, which is such a funny show. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, Social media has been calling him gay for the past couple months simply because he's a man who doesn't ascribe to traditional black male masculinity because in interviews he keeps his hands folded because he wears a more androgynous or even at times feminine wardrobe because he's very in touch with his emotions because he's sensitive um to give a white counterpart for this it's the fact that everyone calls sean mendez gay because he's an incredibly sensitive man who carries a tote bag and i have to say this about totes If I was president, it would be illegal for tote bags to be worn, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that Tyler James Williams and Shawn Mendes, simply because they defy what it means to be that traditional masculine man, and what's interesting man, and what's interesting is that they exist in very masculine bodies. They're both muscly. I mean, they're slender, but they're muscly. They're both conventionally attractive. And yet that isn't an insulation from the constant gay allegations, the constant questioning of their sexuality to the point that Tyler James Williams released a beautiful statement this month for Pride where, you know, he spoke on the fact, and I think everyone should read it, he spoke on the fact that it is harmful to the gay community to homophobically react to every single man who doesn't fit your narrow definitions of masculinity. But you would be better off dating someone like Tyler James Williams or Sean Mendez than the guy you think is hypermasculine, who can't talk about his feelings, is suppressing and holding everything down, refuses to engage in life's pleasures or deep conversations because he thinks that's for women, and is definitely going to harm you because he's an unhealed person himself. I just, something I'll be thinking about for the next week. And I'm going to continue to think about this, and I hope to revisit this in a later episode, but something I hope you think about as well is what is lost in keeping our emotions locked away from each other? Like, who does it really benefit to have heterosexual relationships that aren't based 
on a deep love because both parties are desperately trying to ascribe to really idiotic gender roles. And how much happier would we be if they didn't exist? It's so hard to imagine those possibilities for me because I don't know if I've ever seen that example. But I hope to. I hope to model that for myself. And I know it's definitely something I want to model for my kids. Right now I have one son. That's my cat, Matthew. I don't know how that'll translate because he's been neutered. And I, I think he's asexual now. But still, trying to make the world a better place for Matthew. And all the human children too. That would be good. But I think that's the end of this week's episode. Um, oh no, actually I want to introduce a fun little segment because as I said, you guys reach out and you discuss your ideas and something that I have been thinking about, like something that has just blown my mind for weeks. So Instagram user MRS underscore 007, um, AKA crystal reached out on May 27th with this like very fantastic point about Lori Harvey. And she was responding to the podcast where we discussed like how people see men's past partners, you know, he didn't treat his past partners well and they think they'll be different and the parasocial relationship people have to Lori Harvey. So I'm just going to read this bar for bar. I feel like a lot of her branding within dating has been projected onto her rather than claimed and said by her because she is perceived to be an embodiment of that anomaly and end quote, that anomaly that she's referring to is again, the idea that a man will change his past behavior for you. So back quote, she dated someone notorious for dogging women and leaving them pregnant and bitter and single. And yet she left happy with no kids and on to the next. She goes on to say, I feel like a lot of people live vicariously through a projection of her and use that projection in many ways to fuel their delusions that men will change for the right one. I have never thought about Lori Harvey in that way, but once she pointed it out, like I've been thinking about that for weeks. This idea that Lori Harvey, whether she sets out that way or not, is the embodiment that you can skirt around men's poor dating history simply by being classy, the one, by fitting feminine ideals. And again, I don't think Lori Harvey says this herself. I think as Crystal pointed out, these are the projections of other people onto her. So fucking good, which is why I'm so glad I have this podcast. And I really want to thank Crystal um, for reaching out and talking about this because I do want to chat about this idea for a few minutes. She was so right when she said that Lori is really the embodiment that if you just embrace these feminine ideals and to be clear about what Lori Harvey represents, she's upper class, well-dressed, she's extremely classy, and she notably doesn't talk about her romantic affairs or her personal life other than to confirm who she's dating and confirm that she's on to the next. She really doesn't, you know, we've never seen Lori Harvey get crazy or even be upset at a man in public and we've seen herself hold with grace these really hold herself with grace to these really ridiculous romantic relationships right like she dated future and i remember seeing that joke where he puts the rose petals in the hotel room and then notoriously like 9 months later he pops up with another baby mom but she got that whole 
Atlanta breeding ritual and left by herself. So is that something about Lori Harvey that can just change a man? Like that's what I've internalized. And I didn't even realize that I'd internalized it until Crystal pointed it out. So once again, thank you. Um, If you would like your thoughts to be featured on the podcast, please write in. Uh, If you're listening on Spotify right now, which is my preferred way to listen to anything, no shade to Apple Music. Um, But if you're listening on podcasts, there is a tab where you can reach out to me. And again, you can find me on every social media platform, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and where I'm most active, TikTok, to reach out and discuss your ideas. I always get back to you guys within a couple days. Um... And again, that's at hot weird girl, girl with a zero. So I really mean it this time when I think that's all for now. But again, thank you, Crystal, for reaching out. Thank you, you guys, for making it to the end of the podcast and listening. And I'll see you next Monday. Love you. Bye.